Welcome to the Be Filled Podcast. Together, we will explore the deepest desires of the human heart and how our Creator wants to fulfill your every longing. Join us as we explore the beautiful teaching of St. Pope John Paul II on the theology of the body. We are so excited you're here on the journey with us. Open your heart to be filled. Today we're going to talk about freedom, and this is the first of what I think will be two episodes on this topic. Um, Today we're going to focus in on one particular definition of freedom and talk about how we have defined it in our lives, and we'll start to look at um, St. Pope John Paul II's view of freedom as well. Um, And then next episode, we'll look at another definition. We'll look more at what the church says about freedom um, in the catechism, um, more on John Paul II's view and our experience. So that's kind of a roadmap, I guess, for where we're going. Um, But first, I just want to say that freedom is very, very good. Um, We are made to be free. Um, That's God's intention and his will for us. Um, So there's a reason why we desire it so much in our hearts and why we fight for it. Um, And for John Paul II, personhood and freedom are inseparable. And he says that's part of what makes us a person, our ability to act through our, he says, acting through myself. That is how I'm able to live and thrive as a person. Basically, what that means is that we get to choose how we respond to things that happen to us and around us, and our ability to make those choices demonstrates the uniqueness and unrepeatability of the person. So that's really important to remember um, when we think about freedom. But he also says, John Paul II says that we're unable to really act through ourselves if we do not understand the truth about good. And we're going to kind of talk about that more as we go in this episode and also in the next one. Um, But today we'll talk about what happens when we define freedom outside of what is true and what is good. And what really brought this up for me is I just recently took a course through Theology of the Body Institute, um, and it was a Catholic sexual ethics course. And the instructor talked about two kinds of freedom. Um, The first was called Freedom for License, Um, and I'm just going to kind of define that, and then we're going to talk about it together. Um, But basically what that means, it's the radical ability to choose between options. Um, And in this way of thinking, anything that restricts my ability to be able to choose this or that restricts my freedom um, and therefore restricts who I am. And in this view, we're defined by our freedom. Um, It's not so much concerned with what choice I make as it is concerned with my ability to make a choice. And so it really becomes detached from searching and choosing the good, which is rooted in truth. It's based on feelings and just really whatever makes me feel good. Um, So it's a very modern definition of freedom. It should be pretty familiar (laughs) to all of us if we're living in this world and also just being human um, we have this tendency um, to gravitate towards this Um, so i want to just open it up um, to you um, patty and katie does this when you hear that definition of freedom does that resonate in your experience 
um, what are some ways that you've defined freedom in your life um, and how how'd that work for you basically is what I want to know so who would like go first Katie would you like to talk first I mean yeah it rem- reminds me a lot of being a parent and I'm sure I did this when I was little too but it, it reminds me of of my kids and how they love choices and one of the best pieces of parenting advice I ever got when I had toddlers was always give them a choice. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And like this um, dad gave me this awesome piece of advice that I used all the time. If you have a two or three-year-old, just try it. But he said he continually asked his kid if they would drink their milk every morning. Same thing. Drink your milk. Drink your milk. Drink your milk. The kids would not drink their milk. So he said, one day I just gave him a choice. Would you like your milk in a red cup or a blue cup? Because they got to pick the color of their cup, they drank the milk. And when he told the story, I was like, there's no way that works. And so, of course, I have to go home, and I have a a very stubborn three-year-old. The three-nager is what we called her. And, you know, I went through the same thing, and I said, and she was like, I'm not drinking my milk. I'm not drinking my milk. And then I said, well, the next morning. Would you like your milk in a pink cup or a purple cup? And she chose the pink cup and then she proudly drank her milk. And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, and so, you know, you, you can use it on, on all different things, but it goes back to all they really wanted was the freedom to make the choice. And once they got to make the choice, they owned the pink cup. And so, you know, I think about that and how it kind of applies back to, um, well, ironically, if you really think about it, they weren't free because I still got them to drink the milk, right? (laughs) Yeah, it was an illusion. (laughs) And they figured me out. So really, this only works for toddlers. Um, And they figured me out, you know. And so then it had to progress on to they trust that I'm going to make the right decision. And so then when they're, when they're, when I'm telling them to do something, it's because they trust me now. Mom knows what's good for me. And I know we'll get into that later, but, um, I, I really, uh, saw that, that evolution, um, of that. And I think, of course, I, I can apply it to many other things that have happened to me, but that that's what I think of at, at the core of, of that definition. How about you, Patty? Yeah, I like I like that you started with that um, with that bit of a story because what I thought of um, what came to me was the older children mm-hmm. and then and then parenting again because I think that I was just living in the culture and then I just became a mom and then I just had to move through and I wasn't always reflecting on what happened. So my kids were a little older, and then their I their uh, sense of loss of freedom. They're like why should I listen to you, mom? I'm not your slave. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, you know, I almost had that instinct to kind of, but, but I, because I am your, but, but then it made me consider through and it brought me to more reflection on that freedom. And because I had to go through it because I was just living in the culture. So I realized that I, I needed to work through, you know, I, I don't consider that you're a slave. I consider that I'm that what what are, what are our goals and what is and what is the goodness within it. So if you practice making your bed, it's not just because now it's going to be it's going to you're just going to mess it up again. It's it's a sense of order. And so so much of this about freedom is is 
fighting order in my life, but recognizing with order absolutely comes peace and stability, and my children then would know what, what they could expect, and then they had more peace, and we just worked more like a, a well-oiled uh, gear as opposed to constantly conflicting. So, so that... So that sense of freedom and why we want to fight against it, I, I actually had to take it to a little bit of a deeper level and recognize, no, you're not my slaves, but because there is this common good that we're fighting for, but I had to step back and consider it, and I see that in many areas in my life that I might want to fight order, but that actually is I structure my life, and our Lord has structured our lives too. So that's that's kind of where my thoughts went with that experience. Wow, that was awesome. That was so, so good. I mean, you're so right. I hadn't even been thinking about that, but now I am about parenting because it's so true that reveals our children reveal so much to us about ourselves, but also just human beings in general and the way that we just tend to gravitate, right? Mm, and exactly. I was just thinking, I feel like... Um, <laughs> It's funny how uh, adolescence sort of repeats the toddler stage. Yes. <laughs> it's very similar. They're just Hence the bigger. three major comments. No, yeah. no offense to my children. Sorry, but um, but there is that like the fighting it right, like yeah. fighting, um, being told yeah. what to do or what is good for you, like because it does seem like there's this you just want to hold on to your ability to like be your own person and do what you want to do even if it's not the best thing yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. you want to be able to do that so thank you so much for sharing on all, all of that that is super helpful for sure um I was thinking <laughs> I don't know what this says about me I was thinking about myself instead of my <laughs> so maybe we're learning things about Rochelle <laughs> but I was thinking Rochelle about has introspection <laughs> well I guess I don't know um, but I was just thinking about, you know, the evolution of my thoughts about freedom and how definitely when I was younger, I saw it as like freedom is doing what I want to do. Um, and there was like a little bit of rebellion in me. Um, and I think there was excitement that goes with that. Like, oh, I'm getting away with something. I'm doing. My parents are like, what is she getting away with? <laughs> but anyway, talk to you later, mom and dad. Anyways, um, so, but there is like this like excitement about like, ooh, I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do and I know it. Um, I'm doing whatever I want. Um, and so initially that can seem good and like it's working for me, but eventually that doesn't work anymore. Um, especially if you're doing things that really truly are not in your best interest and aren't good for you, um, which is what I definitely experienced that in my life. So eventually those same things I was doing that seemed to be such a source of freedom and excitement became something that really weighed me down and I was no longer free anymore. I was drawn to things that were not good for me and were not really what I wanted to do. And so when I would read um, in you know, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, I related to this so much when he talked about the struggle with sin and he said, I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. Um, I connected with that so much when I would hear that read because um, I didn't feel free to choose the good anymore. Um, we can just so easily deceive ourselves into thinking that we're in control and we're doing what we want 
but before we know it, we're enslaved to our own feelings and our whims. Um, I really like this quote from Oscar Wilde. He was reflecting about um, his days of living crazy and doing whatever he wanted to do, but he said, I ceased to be the captain of my soul. And I thought that was a really um, powerful way to express that. Um, so that's kind of the experience that I have had. And of course, we'll get to like kind of how you get out of that place. Um, but on a societal level, the teacher that I had for that course I mentioned earlier talked about how the consequences of this type of freedom um, leads to a world in which we just have a bunch of isolated, conflicting freedoms because everybody is like out for doing whatever they feel like doing, but it can lead to disorder, right? Like you were saying, Patty, um, when we fight that natural order of things, um, it leads to chaos, really. Um, he also used a really great example, too. He talked about, um, remember the movie Jurassic Park? Yeah. And there's this great sort of moral and ethical dilemma being discussed by, what's his name? The really weird guy, wow. Malcolm. Okay. Malcolm. <laughs> I Thank you. I seen Lord. that movie in years. Yeah, Lord, just <laughs> remind me who that was. that name. I love that. <laughs> Malcolm. And he's sitting there, and he's the only one in this room of people questioning whether it is a good idea to build this park of dinosaurs. <laughs> He's the only one that says, he says to them, he says, you guys are focusing all your time on whether you can do something. You haven't stopped to think of whether you should do it, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of the type of freedom we're talking about when we talk about freedom for license, is that not really pausing to think about like, is this best, right? It's just right. like, I want to do it. <laughs> and oh, so yes. you just do it. Um, so what is that within us? What is it that is so resistant to what is really good for us? Because so often we know what's good and we struggle so much to actually choose that good thing. Um, so I wanted to share a quote from this book that I just finished reading. Um, it's called The Personalism of John Paul II. It's by John Crosby. It's a great book. It's like 100 pages. Um, and it basically gets into John Paul II's philosophy about the human person. So if you want to know just in brief kind of where he's coming from, it's really, really helpful. Um, but the author was talking about this idea of being um, that we're afraid of the truth about good. Um, and I think this is really important. It's a little bit long, but I thought I would share it and then you guys Absolutely. can tell me what your thoughts are. Um, so he says, they see the truth about good as a threat to their freedom. They fear that a higher law, not of their own making, can only interfere with their acting through themselves and hence interfere with them with them as persons. They claim that they would lose their individuality if they were to submit to a law that is the same for all persons. And so they think that to save themselves as persons, they have to become subjectivists about good. That is people who think that each person creates his or her own con conception of good and the moral life. So it's just this whole idea that we're afraid. We're afraid that somehow we'll lose ourselves if we submit to um, a higher law um, and a law that's the same for everyone. 
Um, so this is this tendency that we have within ourselves. And um, he goes on to talk about how John Paul II is very aware of this battle that we all have within ourselves. Um, and you can see it in the way that he writes, in the way that he presents his teaching. Um, I don't know about you girls, but like one of the things I love about um, reading the text of um, Theology of the Body um, is that he presents it in a way that is just so compassionate and kind and tender. Yes. And like it's very gentle. There's nothing... Um, I don't know, he doesn't act in a way, or he doesn't condemn anyone. He doesn't make anyone feel um, less than or anything. It's just presented in a very positive way. In a um, very intimate way, that mm -hmm. like he knows you. And I remember underlining a quote in it and literally putting out in the margin, how did a celibate priest say this? Because he was talking about married life and yeah. talking about how we were made, you know, for each other. And I'm like, how does he know me so well? How does he know marriage and, and how a man and a woman are supposed to treat each other yeah. so well? I mean, his insight into the human person was yeah. is so inspiring. And that's, I think, what draw me, drew me in mm -hmm. to keep reading. Yeah. Well, he loved married people and yeah, he spent, he spent so a lot of time yes. with them. Mm -hmm. And so he had such a love for people in general um, and actually developed those relationships. So he was able to speak into those things in such a beautiful way. But he just presents it with so much beauty. And yes. there's like, it's attraction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, you don't feel like it's being like forced on you. Yeah. It's like, let me just share with you this way of being. Yeah you know, and people are going to be naturally drawn to that for sure. So I just love that about him. Mm -hmm. it makes um, you feel you can do it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It makes you want it, right? Mm -hmm. It makes Inspire you want it, to right? live that way for sure. So anyway, I just wanted to share that quote about like the reason that we may feel um, threatened by truth um, and goodness. Have you guys, could you resonate with, or did yeah. you relate to that in any way? Um, that feeling of like being afraid of of letting go of your choice um, in relationship to God. What are what are some of your reflections that you guys had? Okay. So so much even what my original kind of reflection was, it kind of followed through that like I said, there was just a real fear of of order. And I, I feel like, you know, we, we talk so often that our families are kind of the small domestic church, you know, like I think that's where we can kind of practice. We'll read something like Pope John Paul II's and then but the, we get to practice it and actually I, you know we were talking about John Paul II he just he watched people he listened and he gathered himself around people so that he was actually getting how to live it in the real so I it just kind of made me chuckle because I remember my own kind of fighting you know the 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 need for order and how it was chaos and I and, and I love, it made me think too, John Paul II is always talking about the gift of self. So how do I explain that to these little people that are fighting so hard to have their own opinion in their own way? And, it, and it's causing great battles. Kids are hitting and fighting and being very disrespectful. So I love, I love that in essence, we come back in our practice. Well, how do you love the other? How can you be a gift to them? And then somehow that resonates in their hearts and in mine. And suddenly this kind of order, because we're not looking at ourselves and trying to get our freedoms met. But when we look at the other, and I have a, a two-year-old and a one and a three-year-old grandchild, and I am, I never cease to be amazed because they've 
already learned that gift of the other. Truly at night when they're very tired and they can't think of the other, there's a lot of battles, but during the day, they amaze me because I do believe it's written in our hearts. So just, I feel like my little domestic church, I felt like I've learned some of these lessons that that Pope John Paul II was talking about that that we actually see that we're more at peace and then that an order can come from that when I'm not thinking of my own needs. I want to sleep in more, you know, or <laughs> I want my coffee with peace, you know, whatever. <laughs> if I think of the other order does come and then there's a, a new pattern and then we thrive and not fight. So that that was my thought, my domestic church in these ways. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That is Thanks. beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I guess I looked at myself introspectively on this part and was was thinking about, I mean, I feel like I do, God asks me to do things I don't want to do all the time. And I want to want to do it. And I try, I think I start off by like dragging my feet and begrudgingly do it. Like every time I learn like a new, uh, teaching in the Catholic Church or maybe when I ignored and then it like keeps nagging on me and like okay fine I'll try it but I don't want to do this Lord so you're gonna have to meet me halfway like you're gonna have to I will give up my Bravo television because you say that even though I say I can compartmentalize the Real Housewives and it doesn't affect my thoughts in my life I think I can control that but you're telling me it does so let me try it and see what happens and then of course if you're open to the Holy Spirit and you're you know you try it for an extended period of time you I mean you can see how it affects everything I mean just little things right just little changes and you know looking back on all of those little changes that I fought against him first of all I realized how silly that you would fight television uh with with the lord but how much time it freed up for me to do other things and then how much clarity it freed up in my mind to really think about other things and then i think if you do those small sacrifices Mm -hmm. it helps clear up and build that trust to when he asks a little more Mm -hmm. because he doesn't really ask usually something big or he hasn't me something big before he's given me some smaller things to give up first so he can kind of build his trust and be like hey remember remember when you didn't watch those television shows and how good you were here try this and see what happens (laughs) oh man Thank you so much for sharing I really that. Appreciated yeah. that. That's super convicting to me. <laughs> to <laughs> trust the promptings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many things are coming to mind, but I was just thinking about, um, yeah, how he does, God does meet us right where we are, and he doesn't ask. I mean, he might ask us something that we're not ready, but he knows our hearts, and he knows, and if we're not ready to do what he's asking, it's okay. Like, he's going to keep coming back to that. Whatever it is that's making you uncomfortable, he's going to keep coming back and keep prompting, you know, in a loving way. Right. You know, not in a... Yeah, not in a judging way. Like a little pebble in your shoe that doesn't hurt at first. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, like, for me, um, what has held me back from surrendering myself, and I still, I still hold on. I got to be honest. I wish that I could say I have arrived. (laughs) And I am perfectly surrendering my life every single day. I, I'm not. 
Um, I want to, though. I do desire that. And um, But I think part of the issue sometimes is my view of the saints and, like, what I imagined that yes. they were um, as if, I don't know, they weren't real people. And so I think there is that fear that if I give myself totally to God, will I just suddenly be really boring mm. <laughs> or like not be myself yeah. anymore? And so there's that idea of like, I'm not going to be me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose myself yeah. if I give myself to God mm-hmm. totally and follow him and all the promptings right. you know, that come. So, which is a huge lie, of course, of because course. I will be even more myself in the purest, best sense that I can be this side of heaven, right? Um, and I think this really is, and it kind of goes back to some stuff we talked about last, uh, can't talk, last episode. Um, I think this is where the enemy can really sneak in and lead us to doubt God's goodness. Um, he is for us completely. Um, he is not against us. Um, and so if we see freedom in this definition, um, that we've been talking about, it can lead us to a view of God as just imposing rules on us because he can, like it's arbitrary. (laughs) Like there's no loving reason. It's just because he's God and you're not, and he can, right? Um, which is false, right? So that's where our views about who he is, um, are so important, um, So, and of course this happens, especially when what we feel like doing conflicts, you know, with what God is saying that we need to do. Um, So, um, and also sometimes this view of freedom can sneak into the church. um, And when that happens, we begin to see God's law um, as a hindrance to our freedom and all of the um, rules become like obligation, right? Like we just right. do it because we have to. Um, and virtue gets reduced to obedience. Um, and rather than seeking to follow God to be the best version of ourselves, we follow him out of fear of punishment. Um, basically, kind of what you were saying, I think, earlier about like, what do I have to do? and Or what? Yeah. how can I avoid going to hell (laughs) or punishment basically where's the line yeah where's the line I think that's what you said earlier so where is that line um this is not spoiler alert this is not the life that God desires for us it's not the life we were made to have um he desires us to be free and happy truly happy um, and I was thinking about, you know, what Jesus has said too about this. You know, he said that he came to set us free. He said, so if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And that's, um, in John chapter eight. Um, so in, um, the next episode, we're going to get into that more like what is true freedom, um, freedom as defined by our church, um, and, um, get more into the positive sense of what freedom can mean in our lives. Um, but is there any other, do you guys have any other reflections before we end? I just, I just, I really enjoy hearing the reflections that you guys put forward because I, I feel like, you know, we get our scriptures and we, we hear our Lord speaking in our lives, but hearing other people's conversations and stories, we recognize that God is very gently teaching, and it's 
so ennobling. It just it helps so much that he is giving us our examples and every day and, and we can see that we can trust him more and more so that when I do put my will over God's will and I have the consequence and the sorrow, then it, it helps me actually trust him more. So I am so thankful for the community and, and I do just think that if all of us just reflect on on these things, we'll see he's giving us just a plethora of like examples and look, I'm here, you can trust me and freedom is as I say it is. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And it reminds me, I think, when you were saying, um, you know, that it, it reduces it to, you know, disobedience or, you know, obeying. And I think we can even, like, redeem, you know, that word as well. And when I was at um, the Theology of the Body uh, course, my definition of obedience got completely flipped upside down because, you know, my husband and I were there to learn more about theology of the body so we could bring it back to everyone in marriage prep and talk to our kids better about it, talk to other parents more about it. And I had my notebook like ready to go with my pen and paper. And Christopher West was like, uh, just put your pens down. Like, you are not here to take notes so you know exactly what to say when you get back. You are here to absorb everything and to heal yourself. He's like, so you just don't focus on what you're going to say to any person after this course. You just focus on yourself right now and absorbing every single word that you're going to hear for yourself. He said, obedience is a beautiful loss of control. And he's like, so just obey and lose control. Well, that's basically my nightmare. Like, <laughs> I'm like gripping my pen so tight, my knuckle is white, and my husband's the laughing. My husband's laughing because it's like right up his alley, and he's like trying to untake the pen out of my hand. And, but it's just like obviously a metaphor for life, but also it is really, you know, I think what I have kept repeating over and over again, and it's the key to freedom is like, okay, so if I want to be free, I just need to obey and I, I need to obey someone I trust. So if I, I obey God because I trust him, I'm going to completely lose control of my life and it's going to be beautiful because he's going to control it. So now let that play out. And so, you know, every situation I get in when it's not going right, you know, I had a plan and the plan is unraveling. I'm like, okay, all I have to do is obey. Like, I've lost control, but good news, that's the definition of obedience. <laughs> and so if I've lost control, can I at least give it? the control over to someone I trust. Yes. Right? And yep. I think that's yep. the choice. That is the choice. Great yes. Accountant. Yeah. Yes. That's wow. Okay, now we're gonna go over time because you brought oh, that sorry. <laughs> no, what I was thinking about and I was debating about talking about this, but like it makes me think about, you know, twelve step programs mm. and your first three steps are you come to admit that you're powerless. Yes. Over whatever it is that has taken over your life that you don't want anymore. 
And step two is come to believe that a power greater than yourself can restore you Mm. to sanity. So that's about developing that trust and that relationship. I know who I am and I know who he is. My way did not work. (laughs) Right? So Mm -hmm. hmm, maybe I should try a different way and find out who he is that he can restore me, he can heal me, he can free me, right? And so step three is you make a choice to surrender your will and your life to the care of God. Just for today. (laughs) Or just for this moment. Sometimes. But like I remember, so I did end up in a 12-step program, and I remember learning that the only power I have is that power to choose? Like, am I going to be my own power or am I going to let God be my power? And that's really the choice that you have, you know? Yeah. Like, who's going to be the power, (laughs) you know? So, anyway, thank you for um, bringing that up because that's so glad. It's so true and such a good point. And, um, And we can, maybe we can talk more about that in the next episode about what is true freedom. What does that look like practically in our lives? And um, what beautiful gems does the church have to give us around that? Because the church always has something beautiful <laughs> to say yes, um, about these things. I'm so grateful. So, um, okay. So, sorry we went a little bit over, but um, we just continue to be praying for all of you and so grateful that you are on this journey with us um, and please continue to pray for us until next time thank you so much for listening if you have questions or comments we would love to hear from you we can be reached by email at befilledpodcast at gmail.com you can also find us on social media we are on Facebook and Instagram there you can find additional encouragement in between episodes Also, be sure to check out our show description for links to resources we discuss in the show, as well as questions for deeper reflection. Until the next episode, God bless.